tonight on the Remax Boulder Video Podcast. We have Gina, Gina Weinbruder from Weinbruder Law here at Remax Boulder with us. And today we're going to talk about tenants in common. Gina, thanks for being here today. Hey, Dwayne, thanks for having me. So, tenants in common. Uh, one of the things that's happening in our market today, prices are going up so dramatically that people are sometimes combining efforts with others in order to purchase their personal residence. So That's right. What is tenants in common, first of all? So, tenants in common is one form of multi-person ownership. So you have tenants in common, which means there are multiple owners, each with a kind of a fraction of ownership, distinguished from joint tenancy, which is where you can have multiple owners and their ownership kind of blends. So they own they own the whole thing together and they have overlapping ownerships. And we, you okay. know, there are nuances, but what I think we want to talk about today are tenants in common. Okay, and then the big difference is the right of survivorship, right, between joint tenancy and tenants in common? That's right. So with tenants in common, there is no right of survivorship. So it really makes sense when you have owners that don't have blended financial lives. Okay. If you have owners who have blended financial lives, like a married couple, joint tenancy might be more appropriate. Perfect. Okay, so let's say that uh, we have two people that know each other. They're not married. They want to buy a place in Boulder, Colorado because of the prices. Mm -hmm. What's the, the agreement actually called other than just putting like tenants in common on the deed. Yeah, so they'll take title of tenants in common okay. and you'll see that on the deed. Or if you don't see anything, it just sort of defaults to tenants in common. But what I really encourage people to do in the scenario like you're describing, where they know each other, um, but they're really co-owning as a way to leverage what they own, is actually executing a private party agreement called a tenancy in common agreement. And this tenancy in common agreement um, you know, clarifies, and it's better if it's done beforehand, who's going to be paying for what? Are they going 50-50 on expenses? Um, when the deal ends, you know, when they sell 10 years from now, how is that divided? And you can have, you can kind of work in some buy-sell arrangements. So if you want to have the opportunity to buy someone out, um, you can kind of face that ahead of time. So this way, you're clarifying your relationship before things get complicated. Because okay. it's harder to deal with things when they become complicated. And once you come up with this agreement, what do you do with it? Who keeps it? Because it's not recorded, right? You don't usually want to record it. Sometimes you can record maybe a memo so people know that there is an agreement. Mm -hmm. The parties themselves keep it. And okay. it, they enforce it among themselves. Because it's really not intended um, for third parties to enforce it. It's intended just to outline what that agreement is between the owners. Okay, would that go in like somebody's uh, estate planning file? or? Yeah, that's a good place for it. Okay. I like that idea. Right. Especially for an estate planning <laughs> attorney, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things that we've seen in our marketplace, too, is the multi-generation of families uh, coming together again mm -hmm. to uh, con conserve expenses and kind of combine resources. So have you had any experience with this concept in multi-generational? That's actually what I use it the most. And I did okay. one just last month where you have a young couple, 30s, early 40s, with kids of their own who um, they want to buy a house. And now their parents, grandma and grandpa, might want to relocate out here. So this is what happens um, with my clients. And so they had three generations living in this house. So my clients, the middle generation, and their parents, so four people total, went in on this property, and we had a tenancy in common agreement signed by all of them beforehand so they knew how expenses were to be paid. Okay. Um, because a common scenario, especially with this particular um, fact pattern, is folks my age, folks in their 30s or 40s, they might have a good monthly income but what they might not have is a down payment. Right. And so you can take older generations' savings 
and really leverage that with you know a younger working person's monthly income and actually be able to afford to live out here. Perfect. Yeah. And you, I actually heard you um, call it something that some of the builders are calling these yeah. multi-generation homes. Yes. Yeah. So at least Lennar. So Lennar's building these out okay. in Erie, and they call it a super home, which I think is great. And and at least what Lennar's doing, and you know they're not the only folks doing stuff like this, but they're making. It's sort of like two houses smushed together, a smaller one, probably for grandma and grandpa, and then the larger one for the younger families. And then they each have their own entrance, and then they can access each unit from inside. So gotcha. it's a super home. So when um, when is it important for people to contact you? I mean, when they go out and see the builder to sign the contract and it's for a home just like you just described, should they see you beforehand, or they get the house bought in their individual names? and then come to you before closing to prepare this agreement? I recommend you do it ahead of time when they're contemplating you know, what property they want to buy. Um, because if there are going to be issues, you're going to find, you're going to uncover these issues when you're right. discussing the terms of your agreement. So yeah. Starting with who's going to write the earnest money check, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Too, exactly. Uh, who's going to apply for the loan? Is everyone going to apply for the loan? Well, perfect. Thanks for sharing some of these ideas to help sure. folks deal with prices in today's market. So, And Gina, if somebody wants to get a hold of you to um, talk about this some more, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so they can find me online. My website's GinaWeinbergerLaw.com or they can call me at 720 580 Thank you. Thanks, Faith.